Hello, everybody. This is episode 37 of the Clappercast. This is Tuesday, January 21st. My name is Burke. And I'm Sean. And it's been quite an eventful week. Kind of a weird one, wouldn't you say, Sean? Just just a little bit. I mean, I didn't expect to wake up on one of the mornings there and kind of just immediately go, what the fuck? Yeah. But sure <laughs> enough, you know, Thursday rolls around and that's the first thing out of my mouth. That was uh, a text that I saw when I when I got out of bed. You were just like... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said, too. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Vegas just fired Gallant or something like that. And yeah. that was my immediate response was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so like legitimately completely out of nowhere. There was no no hints of that, no signs of it. Like his seat was basically fresh out of the fridge. Like He's not in a hot seat at all. I thought he was one of the safest coaches in the league. Absolutely, especially this soon because... For a guy who did what he did immediately in Vegas, you'd think he'd have a little bit of a little bit of cushion for or leeway in his perform or in his team's performance, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You'd think. And even at that, at the time of his firing, Vegas was uh, I want to say like twenty four nineteen six, something along those lines, which is a perfectly respectable record. They're in it, especially with the Pacific being how it is there they were like leading their division for a few weeks and then yeah they like lost a few games in a row i think and then they they, they were on a four game him. losing streak and then yeah. and then they fired him bizarro world very, very very strange even at that the team like on the ice they were second in expected goals for they were second last in pdo which is kind of like a luck thing indicating yep. that they're playing well enough or they're playing better than their their record would indicate yeah, they just weren't getting puck luck, and their goaltending sucked. That was basically yeah. the gist of it, and that's not coaching. Definitely <laughs> not. And even even watching the team play, like they still had that that same like aggressive, fast paced game that just wasn't wasn't working. They yeah, were they were slump. still the Knights. It's just sometimes you lose some games. That's just the way she goes, right? I just don't get it because they were in it. Yeah, and, and does firing Gallant and hiring Pete DeBoer. <laughs> make them a better team i i don't see how it does like DeBoer is regarded as one of those coaches that's like immediate results i think where he kind of yeah. like he goes he goes into a place he does well for a couple of years and then it trails off right and that seems to be kind of how his tenure in san jose went which is another and then another story entirely of its own and yes after after the the rivalry over the last six months between those two teams yeah especially like the preseason this year and the playoff series last year just how crazy it got I think this is kind of the first major swinging point for Vegas fans to to kind of turn their back on the team a little bit because definitely this is a huge slap in the face almost to the fans, right? Like they're hiring the coach that just got fired from their kind of emerging rival, the San Jose Sharks. Easily right? their biggest rival. Yeah. Even DeBoer and the players said this is going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is him as that's our not coach. something you want to bring a guy in. It's like, oh yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah, that's what you want to hear, like, right? <laughs> kind of a, that's kind of an odd, an odd mood or emotion to come in on. Weirdness. Yeah, it's very bizarre. I, I really, I still don't understand why that move was made. It, it has to have been something behind the scenes. Yeah, and they've kind of been you a know, bit me, mixed me going on into that. speculative mode, but like that was my first, that was our first thought both of us when we were trying to figure this out the morning it happened was like, okay, the team's doing fine. And for some reason the GM was like, no, that has absolutely nothing to do with anything behind the scenes. It's entirely performance based. Like performance based. Okay. Sometimes you just got a feeling. <laughs> That's another thing that he so, said. 
that is my next my next point here is how Kelly McCurman, Vegas's GM, could not get his story straight when he was trying to talk about this, and how like he had a quote where he felt like the team had to make a change, and that was it. Yeah, that's something that you say when your team has lost. He like, said over fifty percent of the games, and like you're just struggling to get anything going. Yeah. So here's his exact quote. It's hard to put into words unless you've done these jobs, but it's more the feeling you have that a change might be needed. I wish I could be more specific than that, but it's really how we felt. <laughs> so vague and weird. But it's also like, it's not a very good I- image for the team's GM to come out on. Like, is a guy just going to wake up one day and feel like firing or trading somebody and you're gone? Yeah, I feel like trading today. It's like, yeah, I got a gut feeling that you're going to need to be traded in a week, so I'll just do it today. Like, that's not a very good vote of confidence from, from you know, your boss, the guy who kind of controls where you're going to be, what you're doing. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be something else. Like, Gallant wanted somebody, and there was some disagreement between coaching staff. Because fi- I think they fired one of the associate coaches, too. Is that correct, or is it just Gallant? I believe so. I believe it was Mike Kelly. Right. So, there must have been some sort of disagreement between coaching and management on personnel or something that's what my my thought is so yes so here is my next little segment here um two more quotes from mccurman along with one of the reason the main reason he was fired from florida was that he had a kind of a notoriously prickly personality and that he kind of rubs people the wrong way okay and he can kind of that was that was one of the one of the reasons cited why the florida panthers fired him mm-hmm. is his relationship between between um himself and the gm over there pardon me Okay. And then when I see these next two quotes from McCurman, we thought about this a lot. It certainly wasn't something we did in haste or something we did based on the recent four games. It was a decision we arrived at over time. And then the same day, he says, this is all in the last 24 hours that any of this has gone on. So it's happened very quickly. Hmm. So McCurman can't get his story straight. And Gallant has already been fired once for having a bit of a strong opinion or prickly personality being hard to get along with maybe. <laughs> or maybe not being the most agreeable with upper management. So that immediately takes me to thinking that, like you said, there could have been some sort of disagreement behind the scenes the day before that very quickly turned um, so turn McCurman against him. My tinfoil hat theory would be that Gallant wanted another goalie or something, maybe, and the team didn't want to move on from Fleury, maybe? I don't know. That's just my well, I mean, tinfoil hat. Fleury is basically like the fan favorite, the face of that team. He's kind of He kind of came in there as like the identity of the of the Knights roster. So he's a big part of that team. And they probably don't want to move on from him too quickly. Yeah. They know what, what type of draw he is and has been. Yeah. He's just been pretty subpar this year. And, Very. you know, we, we, we talk about this all the time. We're in the league for you to be successful. You need to have a goalie that can steal you games. And in the past, Fleury has definitely been that guy, but I don't think he has been this season. No. And, you know, that's kind of why Pittsburgh moved on from him was that Murray was that guy for them. He Very was, true. I mean, he might not be right now, but he was that guy where he could be counted on to make some huge saves and huge moments and flurry. And he's a younger guy too. But I don't know, that's just kind of my, my own personal theory because of the team was doing, they were still doing well despite poor goaltending. So maybe there was something there, but yeah, I, that's, that's where exactly where I'm at. Like, he had to have said or done something to somebody in upper management to really piss him off. Otherwise, there's no reason why a team in the position that Vegas was. I mean, they were one point out of a playoff spot. They were three points out of the division lead. And they had been leading the division as recently as like a week or two before this. There's no reason to fire a coach at that point. Just because 
a four game losing streak and say it's performance based like that's not that's not enough yeah strictly performance based when you're that close in the standings doesn't make any sense no. and if and if that's what performance based means to that team that gm and that team is in for a lot of trouble because yeah, that's that, yeah. that's going to lead to a lot of instability when you lose four games in a row and everything's still fine and then you make a you know, like an impromptu snap decision to change things when you don't really need to exactly could lead to a lot of problems and you know there's not time to get chemistry or systems down and i think we're pretty late in the season now to make coaching changes right so especially with for a team in vegas position absolutely potentially in playoff spot i don't know I, it's a weird year after um the st louis coaching change last year and the the road to the cup it seems like a lot of teams are willing to give up on their coaches and make changes really late in the year to be honest though st louis isn't a great comparable because mike yo was not exactly the same level of coach as gallant no and it's not like it's not the rule it's the exception right it's not yeah. a normal thing to to fire your coach and to go all the way to the finals no by no stretch of the imagination is it like that's not how it should have went <laughs> St. Louis was a good team on paper, and their coach was the problem. In this case, I think Vegas is a good team, and their coach isn't a problem. And they make this change, and I don't think it makes them better. It's going to bring in a new coach who's going to want to change systems and all of this. And and that that's a that's a key there that Vegas he's going to want to change Vegas's systems, and the systems are what made Vegas as good as they are. With the roster that they have, there's no reason they're as good as they are without whatever whatever systems Gallant put in there. And I think that when the PDO and the shooting percentages balance out, team's going to be a lot better, not because of Pete DeBoer, but just because of, you know, that natural return to the mean. Yeah. So I think it's going to kind of be like Dan Bilesma when he inherited a, a great Pittsburgh team and kind of coasted to the cup through no fault of his own. He just inherited a good team that was ready for the playoffs and yep. was still in it. And the, the, the change, like the shakeup to the roster per se, was kind of the, the kickstarter to turning it around, you could say. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I don't think they needed a kick to the to the back of the head to, to get going. I think that they were, you know, they might have had a rough stretch, but so does every team. Oh, for sure. I mean, look at Tampa Bay, how rough they started <laughs> the season. Now they're back sitting second in the Atlantic, top five in the league. Well, look at Columbus. They're, I think they were in a playoff spot yesterday. Are they still in a playoff spot? Tampa Bay? No, Columbus. Oh, Columbus. They, let's see, they are in wildcard. Yep, first wildcard it looks like. And yeah, they had a rough start to the season. In their last 10, they've gone 8-2-0. and I mean, That's probably a good segue to our, another thing I wanted to talk about today, which Definitely. is the Columbus Blue Jackets and their outstanding goaltending in the last uh, week. So Elvis... Merzlikens, Merzlikens. I don't know how to pronounce that. I think um, it's like Merzikens or something. Elvis <laughs> is in the building. <laughs> Let's go Columbus. with Elvis. <laughs> he has had uh, in the last week. He's had I think yeah, two shutouts in three games. He's got a .67 goals against average and a .982 save percentage in three Those games. Those are just ungodly numbers. Those are just like insane numbers. Yeah, like. So, I mean, there was a lot of hype surrounding this guy coming over to the NHL. He was yeah. he was doing really, really well over in Europe before he came over. There was a lot of hype around him, and there was kind of question marks between, like, would he be able to just to get the starter's job, or is he going to back up to Corpus Allo? Like, how's that going to work? 
he didn't start the greatest. He was a bit slow. Um, he had that one awful game, his first one there. But he bounced back big time, and he is just on point right now. Yeah, so he's had he had back-to-back shutouts, and then he had another game where he made like a 32-save win and then had another shutout. So he's got three shutouts in a little over a week, and he's really torpedoed that team into playoffs big contention. Time. And I mean, let's, let's give the, the roster some credit too, because they were... They've been they've been doing really well since even before uh, Merzikins took over. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and they've been hit hard by the injury bug. I mean, even before Elvis took over, I mean, Corpusalo was their guy, and he was doing pretty good too. And I think they've they've had like their entire roster has been hurt. Basically, it's insane. They there was a there was a good stretch where their decor was completely annihilated, and they were running with just random people from the AHL, guys who had never played before. And they were able just to pop right in and fit the system. And I mean, if there's any team that's going to do something like this, why not be a team coached by Torts? To to start the year, uh, I think Dubois was out. Dubinsky was out for a while. Uh, Marcus Nudevara, I'm not sure if he's even back. Rurensky missed some time. Uh, Ryan Murray had his annual injury. Uh, David Savard has been hurt. Uh, Corpusalo. Alexander Texier, Dean Kukan, Cam Atkinson has been out for a while. Oliver Bjorkstrand was out. He's just come back. Josh Anderson Josh has Anderson. been hurt. There we go. Sonny Milano. Like, they've had a lot of injuries. And it hasn't mm-hmm. been, like, you know, just missing a game or two. It's been missing some substantial time. And they've still managed to have a, a positive record at 26, 16, and 8. This is a this is a bit of a, a follow up to one of my Instagram posts from earlier this week. That through their first thirty two games, the Blue Jackets were twelve fourteen and six, and in the eighteen games since then, they're fourteen two and two. <laughs> That's insane. That is an absolute flip, like hundred and eighty degrees, basically. Yeah, I mean, they're there's right now they are better than Philadelphia and Toronto. They are playing some good hockey, and I think that they are. Like you said, the torts, the torts way, like just yeah. hard nose, hard work games. He's got that that team system where it's like everybody, people are playing for each other, people are playing for the good of the team. Where it's kind of like everyone's on board with the goal of the team rather than just kind of like doing your own thing. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning the diaspora of talent that they had this off season. You know, you had. Uh, Bobrovsky signed elsewhere for $10 million. You had Matt Duchesne sign in Nashville. Uh, you had uh, Dezingle move on. You had Panarin move on. And I think that that really solidified in the team, the players the, that remained, the mentality of we're good enough to do this without those guys. We're and still a good team. The ultimate, the ultimate kind of fuck you to all those guys who left is that Columbus is currently above every single one of those teams in the standings. <laughs> it's the best timeline, truly the best. And I remember, in the off season, people were talking about um, Yarmo Kekalainen and saying like, "Man, he went, he went big, and now he's kind of seeing that turn sour." But really, they've seen a lot of their depth step up and compete and do good for them this this year a lot of their um their young players have been able to fill in and do do really well so i think they're not quite as 
screwed <laughs> as uh, a lot of people penciled them to be. I, uh, I'm a little bit hesitant just because I feel like this is more of a really, really good streak. They might play out the year pretty good, but I'm like looking at their prospect pool, especially in kind of where they're set up with players and draft picks moving forward. I think the, they are kind of screwed moving beyond this season this year i in this stretch might be the anomaly they might just kind of be in one of those like insane stretches where it's just the team is just on fire i think that they're showing that they're better than people pencil them to be which in turn will maybe attract a bit more talent back to the team well they uh, definitely have the money to now yeah so uh you know people wouldn't really want to sign there if the team was just going to be a dumpster diving team but now that they show that their compete level is there they've got some yeah. goal some solid goaltending potential in Corpus Allo and Rizlikens but yeah I mean will they remain in a playoff spot I don't know I think another team will probably surpass them in the playoff race I mean they're they're sitting above Carolina Philadelphia Toronto right now I think they'll yeah. probably be bounced out of that bubble yeah, and I mean they're one, two, and three points ahead of all three of those teams. So this isn't like they're they're comfortably in a spot, and two of those three teams are very good and could easily bump them out of a playoff spot within a week if Columbus loses a couple of games in a row. Yeah, I mean that being said, it has been a pretty crazy climb back up out of the the basement. Oh, for sure they were. And I hope that they they keep it up because I think it's always nice to have exciting. that underdog team. You know, they, they they filled the same role last year when they went and swept the Lightning. Mm-hmm. And they're still filling that role now where they're just like that that underdog, that pesky team that's just not going to go away that you cannot count out. Yeah, They have no business being where they are, but they're doing it anyways, and it's hella fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a little more optimistic about their future. I know that they've kind of gotten rid of a lot of picks, um, but... They've got. They've, I think they've got some solid players on their team, and I think that they they have to be really smart about what they do moving forward. Uh, they have to be really good at asset management in order to not let anybody else get away. Um, but I think that if they can keep developing their players the way they are, that they'll be in a good spot. And I know that that's it's tough for Columbus to attract good talent, but if they keep showing that, you know, they're they're a hardworking team that some players will want to go there. And like you said, they've got the cap space. So they, they can, can they can overpay they can throw money at people. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's something that's being talked about now a little bit with, with some of the goaltending uh, signings that have happened um, with Bobrovsky and you know, even Price's contract. It's limiting those teams. Big time. Montreal's feeling it for sure. Florida's got a good team just because they've got some players that are on some some insanely friendly contracts. But yeah. uh, Montreal Montreal has kind of shown that they, they, they kind of threw that money at Price, and then they kind of counted on him to be the, the building block for the team. And I think what that's kind of showing is that you don't want to build the team around the goalie. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what they did. They didn't really bring in anybody to any supporting cast. They didn't have much for forwards. They didn't have the greatest defense. Yeah. And it took a while before... Before Bergevin did anything to address that, he was kind of wasting Price's Price's elite window on. Oh yeah, he'll just carry us to the to the conference finals or whatever again <laughs> on some insane hot streak. Like, no, you need to give him a supporting cast. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to mention is that Elvis won second star of the week. Uh, 
and Ovechkin won first star of the week. Yeah, I was going to say, my, who the hell is my, first? But I guess Ovi had a good week, my, too. My Capitals plug of uh, the episode. Uh, Ovi had back-to-back hat tricks <laughs> for the third time in his career, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, so the Caps won all their games last week. Um, you, the Capitals, don't you mean just Ovechkin? Yeah. So he had eight goals in those three games. So he had a two-goal game and then two Hatties. So congrats to the Washington Ovechkins on a three-game winning streak. And it's what's insane, though, is that it's not even the Washington Ovechkins because um, I think the game of the week last week, and correct me if my homer glasses are a little too strong here, but it was the, I think, Saturday morning game where the Islanders played the Caps. Did you watch that game at all? I did not. You were you, I got some updates, though. <laughs> so this was their comeback win, right? Yeah, so it was 5-1 at the beginning of the third period, and the Capitals scored five straight to win 6-5. I kind of fangirled a little bit about their win over the Sharks. What was that, like last week? Um, but this one to me was just another gritty you know, comeback win. We'll never, never count them out. And I had that moment again where I almost turned the, the game off, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> No, no, I, gotta, I know what can happen. I know what can happen now. <laughs> I gotta keep watching, and I'm glad I this did. This is a this is an awesome trend for the Capitals, though, where they keep like being looking like they're out of games, and then they just magically come back from random massive deficits. It's fun to watch. It must be really brutal to watch as a fan of the other team, but it's it's unreal. And so, you know, Vechkin getting all those goals, he he passed Mario Lemieux in total goals. Uh, so Lemieux has six ninety. And so he passed Lemieux, and he tied Steve Iserman at 692. Like these guys are just absolute legends. It's crazy to hear his name, his name in amongst these guys, just normally like that. Oh yeah, he passed yeah. Iserman and Lemieux. Like this, like we're watching him play right now. This guy is an yeah. all-time great. Yeah, and we're getting insane. to see him like move up the scoreboard of of elite players. Yeah, so he's ninth ninth all-time right now, and so he's at 692. And so if he makes it to 700 goals this season, which he will, he'll be the eighth member to have ever played in the NHL to reach 700 goals, which is absurd. It's really cool to think about that like we've been able to watch this guy his whole career, yeah, and he's still putting them up like crazy. So That's I have fun. a question for you about Ovechkin there then. Yeah. So we've kind of... The, the play style that Ovi's had throughout his career, he's kind of like that bigger power forward, a bit of the bruising scorer type. We've seen with other players in that in that type of, or in that player type, that they just kind of like drop off the face of the earth one year. Do you do you worry about that with Ovechkin? Uh, a little bit. Um, I think he's definitely play, changed his play style a lot. Um, I mean, it's been pretty much the same for the last, like, six years or five years, maybe. Um, but he used to be like a fast, dynamic score off the rush guy, and he's just transitioned into this static shooter. So I think him playing a lot of preservation, that, yeah, that static conservation of energy play style, he can go a lot further than if he was that crazy speed hitting everything all the time, every game player. So I think right. he's got a bit more longevity in him than he used to perhaps have because of his change in play style. Um, because if you watch him like on a play and you just keep your eye on him, 
he's pretty smart about jumping into the play and then like sneaking around into a shooting position. He doesn't, he doesn't really make like uh, very unnecessary movements. He's very efficient and people have always criticized him as being like a lazy player and stuff, but he stays out there for a long time. So it's smart to, to just move when you have to really. Yeah. So no, it is efficiency is a good point. It is something I'm worried about, but he has been a very healthy player he's only had a a few injuries and even then he hasn't had anything substantial that's kept him out for a long time it's just been like small injuries that have nagged him for you know a few games or two he's been i think probably probably been suspended more than he's been hurt (laughs) (laughs) so so i think he's got he's got it in him and i really hope that we can see him do something really special like He's giving Gretzky he's two, a run he's for his money. 200 goals away from Gretzky right now. I think he's 202 goals away. Yeah, which, which if he keeps putting up 50. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, what is he? He's what, 33 or 34 now? I think he is 34. So, I mean, it's it's realistic. It's definitely possible. Yeah, he's Especially 34. as we see scoring keep going up and Ovechkin's not, not dying down as much. And if the Capitals can stay good which it seems like they're going to be able to because they keep having this revolving door of amazing goaltenders come through the system. And a <laughs> yeah. lot of their, a lot of the rest of their core is young enough to stick around for a few years and is also locked up on under contracts for the next few years. Yeah. So at the very least he's going to have like his 20 or 25 power play goals. Yeah. Barring another lockout. Ooh, I think he should do it. That's, that's... I'm going to have to like book a week. I'm going to have to like book every single day off just to watch that game when he starts getting close. Yeah. It's it's been it's like that. That's that's one of those moments you have to be there to watch. Yeah, it's it's going to be special. Uh, tears may be shed. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, on the topic of something special, how about the Avalanches Stadium Series jersey? That's something, all right. <laughs> so you look at the jersey. What do you th- what do you see when you look at that? What do you think? Of? I don't know. It looks like a broken tooth. <laughs> it's exactly where I went. I was like, it looks like it looks like a wolf dentist with a and the wolf's got a chick teeth. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like this open dog mouth and one of the teeth is broken. Yeah, I think I sent you the meme or not meme, but the Hockey Night in Canada thing where it, it looks like a bib, you know, like someone's at like, oh, a, it does. like a rib restaurant or something and they've got a it's bib like the with like a little stain ever. on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just stupid. I, I Listen, get that I love they're the trying something scheme. new. Yeah. yeah, I love the Avs color scheme. It just didn't work out. No. No, it looks like a sublimated, cheap jersey to me. It doesn't look like a professional hockey team. And like you said, they've got a they've got a cool color scheme and a, a really cool logo. And I, I don't know, even their third jerseys with like the triangle with like the Colorado state yeah. flag or whatever inside the triangle. I think that's that's a cool jersey, but I don't know. Sometimes teams. I don't know if anything's gonna miss. beat those um those those ones from like the early two thousands. Those are those are just amazing jerseys growing up to see. Like everything about them was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm just thinking about all the garbage jerseys that have been in the league and how some of them are so bad that you kinda like them. But then you really stop and look Apparently, at them. You like the Oilers like bright orange ones from before. I liked them, but no one else did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't used like to be their... fair, they look like pylons. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird ones like the the Pooh Bear Bruins jerseys. Those are the, uh, those are the Islanders fisherman jersey. I like that one. That guy. 
Like, it's so bad, but I like it. It's like Fish Sticks guy. I can't remember Something his like name, that, yeah. like Captain Highliner or whatever. <laughs> that, that sounds right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of bad ones, for sure. I don't think this one's going to go up there as that bad, like all-time bad, but it's not a great one. No, no, it is definitely not. Um, One thing I wanted to mention about the Capitals, too, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but just because it's on my mind, is that Nicholas Backstrom re-signed. Um, so he's been kind of in the process of negotiating his own contract this season, and he finally signed a deal, which is pretty cool because uh, he's been a huge part of that team for a long time and i'm i'm kind of mixed on the contract a little bit it was a five-year 46 million contract so, so it's just over it's like what nine nine point yeah, i think it's like 9.2 um so i mean there's without a doubt he's been underpaid in his entire career in, in washington it's going to be a bit rough in the last few years but I'm okay with them overpaying him because it sends a message to players that the Capitals will they'll reward players that have been here and done some good things for them. And I think that's that's something that's often overlooked in contracts is that you know you want to be able to attract other players to your team and people to stay with your team. Um, but at the end of the day, that's a lot of money for someone who's yeah already. But well, I think he's like thirty three. Thirty two. Okay. So what this effectively means, too, is that the Capitals will not be able to keep Braden Holtby because he's going to want a pay raise, and we're not going to be able to afford it unless we do something really dramatic. So Ilya Samsonov is probably the guy for the future. So he's been pretty good this year, I think. Um, That's probably a good... This year is probably good for him to kind of get a chance in the nets as much as he can and learning from learning kind of the starter's role from Holpe before Holpe takes off to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good call. That's where our Capitals goalies go to die. Um, and then eventually they return to wherever Mitch Korn is uh, in the case of <laughs> Um So, yeah, I think Samsonov has been outstanding this season, but at the end of the day, he's only been in the league this season, so it's a pretty small sample size. So it's a bit rough to try and make that decision now. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like is going to happen. Yep. So, eh, we'll see. But I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. It could be a because... difficult start to next year for the Capitals as they adjust to a new goalie in the system like that. Yeah, I mean, and if they have adjust to playing playing every game, if they have a Samsonov Phoenix Copley pairing, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, On paper, it's not great. No, no. But I think the team is good enough to you know kind of overcome that a little bit but like we were saying before you gotta rely on your goalies sometimes and uh and and playing in a backup role and being a starter is definitely very different because you have to have the endurance and stamina required to play that many more games so i don't know if samsonov's going to be ready for that just having one season of backup duty under his belt well there's one way to find out and he's going to get it next year it looks <laughs> yeah pretty much and in a similar vein, I uh, saw today that the Canucks and Jacob Markstrom have begun negotiation talks for a contract for next season. He's a pending UFA at the end of the year, and he has been amazing for them this year. And uh, a lot of people thought that Thatcher Demko was going to be their guy 
next season um, as a starter. But I think Markstrom has just shown that he's he's, he's their workhorse. He plays a lot of games. He wins them games. He keeps them in it. He's he's really good, and I think yeah, they kind of need to sign him. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm surprised that he, I'm surprised if he would stay because he knows there's a guy right behind him who is good enough to take over a starter role very soon, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine Vancouver's going to want to give Markstrom a very long contract. Yeah, but they could always sign him to the longer contract and trade him in a couple of years, I guess. Yeah, because I think they're going to probably want to, to expose him in that fantasy or that fantasy draft, <laughs> the expansion draft. I mean, it's basically what it is, though. But yes, yeah. you're, you're, that is a good point. Um, they've got the expansion draft coming up in, a, in what's probably going to be in a year now. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when they're starting. But um, 2021. they're going to need to expose somebody. And if they can get a certain player to be picked up, once Demko's had a little bit more time to learn and ease himself into the starter's role, that's probably a pretty good situation that you know you aren't going to have to worry too much about the skaters if you've got a really good goalie exposed. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Markstrom's going to want term, but if they can give him the term and then just not give him a no, a no movement clause or whatever, I don't know. It's going to be interesting development to keep an eye on. I think that's going to be a, a really important one for the Canucks, though. They we'll see. A... We'll see if they can handle this goalie dilemma better than they did the last one. Yeah, a goalie dilemma in Vancouver. <laughs> Color me surprised. Very shocking. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're we're talking about Vancouver. Let's stick with the Pacific Division and talk about uh, how competitive they are right now. Yeah, so we kind of touched on that a little bit in the Gallant talk here, but uh, the Pacific is heating up. It yeah. is a rat race. So here, here's what we're looking at right now for standings in the Pacific. Uh, we've got Vancouver in first with 58, and then Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas, and Arizona, in that order, are second, third, fourth, and fifth with 57 points. So we've got five teams within a point of each other. <laughs> and they're also fighting with with a little bit of a, a cushion on the on the on the wild card spots over Winnipeg and Chicago, but they do have both wild card spots in the Pacific right now. Mm-hmm. And all five teams are right there. So this yes, is going so... to be like we're we're sitting near the end of January. We're over halfway into the season and it's still this close. So what's it going to be like come March? Like how intense is this race going to be? This playoff push at the end. Hold on to your butts. It's going to be a close one. Yeah, and I mean, as an Oilers fan here, it's like, well, this isn't the situation I wanted, but it's going to be very, very good hockey to watch come come April. A lot of meaningful games uh, for whoever makes it into playoffs. That's going to be, I think, an advantage. Yeah, we well, saw. it's uh, that brings back from last season with the Columbus and Tampa Bay series, where mm-hmm. Tampa Bay was kind of like, we haven't played a meaningful game since like January, and Columbus was playing them right to the last day. Yeah. So these teams are going to be coming in flying into the playoffs, and we can end up with a couple of really good first-round series here. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, my ideal situation is to have Edmonton and Calgary play in the first round. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, you got to rekindle that rivalry, especially with how it's going this year. Absolutely. Yes, that's what everybody wants to see. We want to see that in the West, and we want to see Boston-Toronto in the East. That's that's just what we want. <laughs> How many times can we test that matchup out east before it <laughs> finally goes the other way? Before it breaks? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, the Pacific in general is is going to be dicey. Um, we've seen it just 
it's like a revolving door of who's leading that division right now. It's like who's well, so, who's so won the, the most recently. That's basically. basically. Um, there was one. There was one game. Edmonton was fifth going into it. They won and they were first. <laughs> Which and, is like, just that's, absurd. That's such a swing from from that one outcome. And like these are, we're starting to hit. I think more of the more of the within the division games are are starting up again. So all of these games with these four point swings are going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, divisional games are going to be huge. It's uh, it's exciting. It makes for an exciting finish to the season after the all-star break we're in for a real treat with that playoff race we're gonna be we're gonna be all playoff hockeyed out by the time the playoffs start not possible (laughs) there's never enough playoff hockey it's the best time yeah well we could see some we've got the trade deadline coming up too in the next month here and we we've seen the trend the last few years where teams start to make their moves a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. so there's probably going to be a little bit starting up here i mean we already saw arizona take uh take on taylor hall one of yep. the bigger one of the bigger names on the market's already off. And I imagine off the rest the of these teams are gonna want to start either looking or trying to bring bring some players in just to give them that little extra boost. Yeah, I think every every uh, point counts and they're gonna need to do what they can as soon as they can. I think that's a good point that the Pacific is, is gonna be buyers. Um I don't know who's got the got the most room, but you know, the the further into the year you go, the more your cap space is worth. So um you know the longer we go here and the closer it is, I think it's going to be very exciting to see who makes a move. As an Edmonton fan, is there anybody that you would want on your team that you think is available right now? Because of the season that he's having, I'm really interested in a guy like uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Okay. That's the Oilers. Like he's, he's about a third line center, but he does everything. And he's a very, very hard worker that he will fit in in any role that he's a checker he scores this season anyways and that's the type of player that they really need on their third line mm-hmm. um it kind of it kind of fits the new identity that the team is trying to take on under dave tippett with the, t- the type of high intensity uh defensively smart and very very smart checking team that they just need they need that depth that he's going to provide yeah yeah that would be an interesting one man it's going to be gonna be exciting I, I cannot wait for playoffs and i hope that uh we have some some spicy matchups yeah we're not gonna get to, we're not gonna get vegas san jose this year from the looks of it but uh <laughs> with all three canadian teams in the pacific in a playoff spot right now we could very likely end up with any any of them playing against each other would be a good series yeah that would be that would be good uh another one that uh i think would be kind of interesting would be vegas arizona battle of the desert that'd be yeah, kind of be... fun that would be, um, based off how how both the teams play. It could it could be interesting as I feel like Arizona would be a little bit more of like a try to trap the the Vegas night the Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights out of their own trap. Out trap the trap. Yeah, it'd be it'd be an interesting like series to watch strategically. Who makes like, who knows what Vegas first. is going to do under DeBoer now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that series, we just have to wait for a five minute major penalty to be called, and then that determines the winner. <laughs> so. Well, this year it should go in Vegas' favor. They got the coach. Yeah, we have that to look forward to. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the Pacific. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to go over? I think that wraps it up for this week. So, once again, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Clappercast. If you like what you're listening to, make sure you share it around your circles, friends, family, social media, wherever you go with it. We totally appreciate it. And uh, if you want to keep up to date with any content we have, follow us on Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. And thank you all for listening. We will see you guys next week.